Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 385 covering Will You Take My Hand with Kevin Lynch. Hi friends, this is it. This is this is the end of the first season. This is also the end of all Star Trek as so far. Here we are at the end. Which is pretty exciting. Yep. And uh Flonk is here to to take our hand. Bonjour, amigos. How's how is it with you, friend? Well, my hands are need to be taken. Tooken? <laughs> Wait, taken? Like uh like Liam yes, Neeson taken? Exactly. They've been Star Trek by taken. terrorist. Tack 3N? Uh, hey, I didn't make that. They they made that. That was the third yeah. one. They put a three oh, where God, the E went. Oh, God, that's right. It was terrible. You should know better than this Liam Neeson movie. No, I, come no, on. That, they shouldn't. <laughs> didn't that guy fight a wolf in some movie? Like, he just does whatever the fuck he wants. I thought he took a wolf. Is, is that movie not a Taken movie? No, he, he <laughs> lit the wolf on fire. You threw oh, my wait, dog it was in the, the fire. Firewolf? Yes. Wow. So much Liam Neeson crossover. Who knew? I remember when we were doing sketches, we did a sketch where uh, Nick Cage got mad at Liam Neeson because he was stealing all his movies. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it does feel like the stuff he does are just should be Nick Cage movies. Mm-hmm. The wolf punching movie and all the Taken movies. They just feel very Nick Cage to me. Anyway. Uh, we, we are at the end of Discovery Season 1, yep. and uh, pretty pretty excited about that. Flunk, why don't you tell us what happens in uh, Will You Take My Hand? All right. Well, it's a bad mom space miss as Emperor Giorgio takes command of Discovery and proceeds to be her usual arrogant racist self. No one on the ship stops to think about how their miraculously revived captain may be from the universe of evil doppelgangers they just spent the last six months in. Nope. It's a secret. And Saru and Michael are very good at talking in code to hide the secret. They're not. <laughs> House of Armas has captured Starbase One, bringing the Klingons right to Earth's backyard. Time for some of that ends justifies the mean shit that Starfleet was founded on. So Giorgio goes and tortures and tortures Laurel. Shockingly, this Klingon scene is completely pointless because Laurel doesn't tell him anything. So it's time to pay a visit to, to Lieutenant Ash Tyler and his weird Klingon memories. He finds a perfect spot to drop the drone or whatever the fuck the plan is. It's not important. Discovery jumps inside a mountain. Why are they inside a mountain? And, Star- <laughs> and Starfleet's best and brightest are ready for their mission. The genocidal monster, the sleeper agent, the mutineer, and Tilly. Yeah, it's um, it's quite a group lore to put together. <laughs> this is the Orion part of Kronos for some reason, so the, the only clans we see are getting drunk and pissing everywhere. And pissing slightly above everywhere. <laughs> Burnham and Lieutenant Ash Tyler head to the casino. And it's there that Burnham truly sees Voke, son of none, torchbearer to Takumba the Wise, the slayer of attention, the bringer of boredom, <laughs> chief mouth breather of the Klingon Empire. <laughs> they have a heart to hearts about how much Klingons suck, and then Lieutenant Ash Tyler sees, sees some guys doing shots and figures out how to finish the mission. Meanwhile, Tilly gets high on Tranya and Giorgio gets laid. That's how Tilly discovers that it's not a map drone at all. It's a bomb! Yes, Sarek and Cornwall thought that the best way to win a war would be to do a genocide. Gene Roddenberry is rolling in his egg-stained urn. <laughs> Burnham threatens to do another mutiny, and Cornwall is all, Fine, we won't needlessly slaughter billions. Instead, they give the bomb to Laurel, and she uses it to become Chancellor, which is probably what she wanted all along. 
Lieutenant Ash Tyler decides to stay with, with Laurel on Kronos and hopefully will stay off screen for season two. Discovery heads back to Earth where everyone gets medals and Michael gets her rank restored and Sarah says he's proud of her. Pretty big day for Mike. Discovery takes Sarah back home to Vulcan, but before they get there, they answer a cliffhanger distress call. I'm sure they'll be able to bail out Captain Pike with no triple at all. <laughs> Excellent. Also, A-plus wordplay in there that uh, the people may not have completely noticed. Uh, thank you. Like, heart to hearts. I love that's how, yeah. how Tilly discoveries that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, very good. You're master um, of the written word. Yep. And who's, no one, we will hear no arguments to the contrary. I'll take it. So there was a lot going on here. Uh-huh. But sure I is. Think, but there's also long all, stretches of yeah. nonsense. I think we all liked it a little better the first time around. Is, yeah. that, is that an accurate statement? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot still, but it it isn't as busy as I remember it being because there, mm, there's just a yeah. lot of a lot of Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Oh, they're sure. No, and is. they they really think that we, the audience, are invested in Michael and Lieutenant Ash Tyler's relationship, and we're just not. No, and, man, and, I'm real invested in Michael. The end. Yeah, yeah, I like her a lot, and I'm I'm interested in what she does next. But and I care I want her nothing about Lieutenant Ash Tyler and his love of the sea. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's the thing he's into now, and spe- very specifically the types of knots you tie on a boat. Uh-huh. He's just always because... tying knots. It, yeah, for the you last know, fifteen episodes, all he's been doing. Tyler. Yeah, he's got a big I mean... knot he likes to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they needed some kind of visual symbol, I guess, something for him to do with his hands and something for her to hold on to wistfully as he leaves. But really. You guys wrote the whole season together, right? You could have maybe put this in wow. before. Yeah. No. All right. Fine. Well, like we were saying this last last week, um, we didn't uh, anything anything interesting about Lieutenant Ash Tyler like gets overdone by the Klingonness. Like, yeah, that's true. There's nothing like there's nothing there to, to latch onto that's not. Oh, that guy used to be a Klingon. Yeah, that's his entire deal, and it's boring because these Klingons are boring. How the hang He's on a sec? Actually, how the fuck? Did he get photos of like his past onto the ship? He 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 was a prisoner who was brought aboard and also he's not the real Ash Tyler. Well, well presumably kind of. he has access to the cloud as yeah. Lieutenant Ash Tyler. He just printed and out a, and framed photos. a photo of himself for himself? What? I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Flunk, how do you feel about these Klingons? I feel like everyone's weighed in uh, and, and maybe you're the one who likes them? I I wouldn't say like them. I don't hate them though. Uh, Okay. But I definitely am fine if they completely change in season two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, but specifically all the long scenes where they're talking amongst one another. Like, that seems to be everyone's bone of contention. Do you, yeah, do you yeah, like that's that not great. Okay. Um, and but, like I say, I, I'm legit looking for someone who likes it because there must be someone, but it, none of it, our guys do. And if the plan, I mean, if Laurel's plan made any sense at all, like it doesn't yeah, would probably be better, but it like she keeps on. I'm, actually, that's my bad thing, actually. All right. Okay. Um, this is playing off of what Al said or is about to say. I have no idea what order we're doing these in. Um, <laughs> we try to roll in a natural direction. What was Laurel's plan? Take a boring Klingon and turn him into a sweaty, boring, boring human. Defect and then start gloating about how great Klingons are. Make Volk a sleeper agent and then kill him anyway. You lost the thread on this somewhere around the fifth time you changed showrunners, Disco. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No, my my bad thing is actually more about the Starfleet mission, which we'll talk about in yeah. a minute. Yeah. But um But yeah, like like cuz uh, her she spent 
so much time in the brig, the entire mirror universe time, just in the brig doing the yep. Hannibal Lecter thing. And like, but it had nothing to do with what she was talking with Cornwall about either time that she, whether it was on the, the Klingon ship or last week, like, no, and then briefly we thought she was going to defect from the Klingons and yeah. be friends with Cornwell, and that could have been interesting, mm-hmm. but they immediately abandoned that. Like, anytime she did something that looked interesting and cool, they went a different direction. Yeah. It, no, it makes it still makes no sense. Also, is she Chancellor now? I mean, that was the implication. I I'm think not, so. I'm She's not, in charge, yeah. certainly, of House Mackay. So. Yeah, and that, that brings up the long-running... Uh, confusion we have of women's role in the Klingon Empire. Are they allowed to be Chancellor? Because in Next Gen, the Duras sisters had yeah. to like, yeah, like use a dude point. because... Yeah. yeah. But then in Star Trek VI, um, uh, Which happened what's be- his name? David Warner got murdered and his daughter took over. In, the, in, in real life, that was before those episodes of Next Generation too, right? Or mm-hmm. around the same time? Uh, uh, concurrently, I think. Okay. Like roughly the same time. So, uh, yeah, who knows? What, what I think we've also Klingons that... have purple blood in disco. So, yeah, yeah, let's just Do keep track of disco? that. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's cool. I hadn't noticed. I'm I'm glad that's back. I liked that. Yeah. No, what we've what we have learned is that while women can be in charge, nobody apparently likes it. I mean, so, so that basically, like tracks here. with the real world. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So, like on paper, they're allowed to, but nobody likes yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly like here. Um, no, I'm, I'm glad that the purple blood is back. Yeah, me and, too. Because I like when Klingons have different uh, anatomical stuff, and, and Flunk, this is your good thing. <laughs> it sure is. I think good things to the Klingon, right? I thought this one was obvious. <laughs> yeah, of course. And we've talked about this extensively before, and we could certainly talk about it extensively again. I'm not saying let's not. <laughs> sure will. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure one of the reasons you wanted to, to be on for this episode is because we do have the infamous two-dicked Klingon. <laughs> yep. We get an establishing shot of, so we're in the Orion Quarter, which is, you know, like the part of Kronos, like it's the slum where they put their the aliens that they hate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, one of the establishing shots as we track through this like uh, marketplace bizarre thing is a Klingon with his back to the camera and two streams of urine coming from his midsection. Yep. It's awesome. It's wonderful. So stupid. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in a way, in a way that I love, yeah. in a way that I want more. Yeah, of. no, they got to back up everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We that's long been established about Klingons. Yeah. So why not no, two dicks? Sure. We we talked about this before. Like, what what is your th- what is your take on on the configuration? Because I think it was English Gav who was on. We were talking about are they side by side or one on top of the other? The, like, what do you think? <laughs> about midway through, another one starts. <laughs> oh, so it's like a like a divine yeah, like a branch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a Y shape. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that. Oh, why? Because we like you. <laughs> so does that mean the corresponding female genitals are configured to accept that? Uh, yeah, it's like ducks. It's just mm-hmm. it's a whole maze down there. <laughs> oh, this is we could do. We that's what we do between seasons. That's what we do while we wait for right. more Star Trek. Is just nonstop Klingon dick. Yeah, talk. obviously there's ridges. Finally bringing, well, finally bringing a, a horror to the post-atomic horror. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only only because you're horrified by biological functions. I'm fascinated. <laughs> but really, if there is anything in all of Star Trek that was like a gift to us, yes, exactly. There's there's two dudes and their friends who love talking about dumb 
shit in Star Trek and they're not afraid to make dick jokes. Yep. Like, th- th- here, here you go. Here's a gift for yep. you. Oh, it's wonderful. And honestly, the first time I thought it might be an Orion because that's I thought that who too, we see, actually. but it's definitely a Klingon. No, this time around, I definitely put in the research. Okay, who is that? Oh, nope, that's definitely one of their Klingons. And those yep. streams are definitely one on top of each other, so I know that now. And they're definitely mm-hmm. coming out with enough pressure that it's not just the as his dick pierced or something. <laughs> right. No, I, I good science dic- the fuck out of this two-dicked Klingon. That, that's some good detective work mm-hmm. there, Matt. <laughs> I, I, that's I, a good you joke. pointed out. Yeah, I was waiting for you to come on. It was funnier than that. That's a good joke. No, don't. that's a good joke. You're getting a medal for that one. Okay, good. Everyone gets a medal in this mm-hmm. episode. And one for your dead boyfriend. Oh, wait, who? Nobody cares about him anymore. Nobody really cared about him at the time either. You're living in. You're living I in know. the past. He's been dead for four episodes. Yeah, come on. I, they do. No, I will the say, past is prologue. They, oh yeah. No, they do. They do name check him, and that's not enough. Yeah. But they do say this in the ceremony. Like, uh, we award the Medal of Honor to these characters and uh, uh, Dr. Hugh Culber, who can, you know, who was lost in the line of duty yeah. or something like that. And at least they did that. Stamets is like, yeah, thanks. That's great. I'm going to also make sure to send this to the Mushroom Kingdom where he apparently lives now. <laughs> yeah. He's... No, you said that was um, that was the dream realm from Mario 2. Oh, Subcon. Yes, of course. Excuse me. Yeah. No, it's, it's subspace. It, all all the, the phone calls go through there, and also that's where dead boyfriends live. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense now. See, but he could come back if he could just find a potion to throw at a wall. <laughs> Look around you for plants growing. One of them should be a potion you can throw at a wall to make a door. That game was weird. Yeah. Game was, I mean, you you know, playing that a Mario game doesn't make pen. any sense. Even by Mario standards, that's a weird choice. Yeah, because Mario has an internal logic, but that one like just completely sidestepped uh, all of that. Here, go throw vegetables at this uh, at this frog king, mm-hmm. who has a machine in his in his room that makes vegetables that you could throw at him to kill him, but only in your dreams. Yes. Yeah. Um, I did like the uh, and Matt, you pointed this out. Mm. They Star Trek. We've pointed this out over the course of this podcast, but you pointed out like they finally kind of got the uh, the, the Star Wars Cantina thing right. Oh yeah, we've been saying from like the beginning, like from the beginning, Star Trek yeah. desperately wants to have its Cantina scene, and it yep. always makes it look terrible, except for maybe Deep yep. Space Nine. Um, but that did everything yep. great. So, well, <laughs> also that was the setting of the whole sure. show. Yeah. You have to have a multi alien like if, if you don't buy that, then that's like you can't go to Quarks. Yeah. You kind of have to have, but that. like the 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 Orion Bazaar is actually really well executed, and you mentioned this when we were watching. Uh, part of the reason it works so well is that they actually made it sleazy this time. Yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. trying to be sexy and coming off sleazy, it's supposed to be like gross. Yeah, there, there, and there's a overly scene, sexual. There's a scene set in a strip club where Tilly's just looking exactly like well, like I did when I went to my first crappy strip club. <laughs> yep. Oh, I don't want to be here. What's that smell? Wow, those boobs are real close to me. Yeah. Oh, no, look at that—a whole butt. And then, and then she gets high. Uh-huh. Which, okay, on the one hand, that's a little too broad, but on the other hand, it worked. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. But it also reads—it's—it's it's the same problem I had with "I am not a merry man." It's just such an easy, like everyone's going to remember this quotable line thing, and you know, I'm yeah, sorry, but it just, works. Yeah. I, it, okay, all first right. of all, I am very high. Oh, I love you, Tilly. You, you perfect sunflower. <laughs> yeah. Shame on you. Also, all of their um, 
all of their uh, undercover, you know, we're going to this this hardcore sleazy marketplace, like their cosplay for that. Yep. She just looked like she was going out clubbing. Yep. Like that's her hot club clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that. She doesn't look like a criminal. She looks like a 20-year-old going dancing. Meanwhile, Giorgio looks like a fucking fantasy crime boss. She's wearing a cape made out of feathers. Yeah. Yep. It's great. And it's amazing. And then, She's got a cape and, then at and one a point, sword. And a bodice. Yeah, at one point she hooks up with uh, two Orions, and um, yeah, she strips down to a bodice, oh, yeah. which either she was wearing under that the whole time or bought in the marketplace. Yep. She brings multiple outfits for this three-hour mission. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're an evil emperor, you gotta. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Three outfits is like a step down for her, because she's living rough now. Yeah, your brand is like a major part of your power. Four outfits like, if you count her yeah. uniform. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah, her. You mean her? Uh, her Sergio disguise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and and I'm I'm torn because on the one hand, Sergio hooking up with a male and female sex worker on Chronos, uh, like uh, Orion's, uh, is it feeds into the evil bisexuals trope, mm-hmm. which is not great. But on the other hand, it did remind me of of Mirakira, mm-hmm. and she pulls it off, and it's kind of cool. But I, it's, it's probably a little problematic too. Yeah, it's one of those things that works without the context of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, Everyone I, from the Mirror Universe is so horny. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I yeah. just thought it was awesome. No, I did She's too. She's fucking but, awesome. But we have to be aware that there is, you know, yep. a cliche in media where you your bisexuals are the evil yeah. ones. Not great. Always. But yeah, also, that's, that's, yeah. I'm conflicted. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's see. Uh, well, my good thing, yes. since we're talking about all the stuff on Kronos, Star Trek All-Star Clint Howard <laughs> making his fourth franchise appearance as the most perverted-looking Orion we've ever seen, and not good perverted, not like sexy. <laughs> they gave him a 70s <laughs> like porn stash. Yeah, yeah he yeah. really has like a Ron he, Jeremy look about him. Yep. And he didn't, like, no, it's even worse than Ron Jeremy, because Ron Jeremy had a full head of hair. <laughs> yeah. Ron Jeremy's like, not green. But also that. But I, there, there are some regular guests of the show who would argue that that green works in his favor. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's not me. I, um, I just like they may they somehow found a way to make uh, Clint Howard look even more like a goblin, and that guy already just yeah, looks he, like a goblin. He already looks a little creepy, mm-hmm. and then they, you give him the the fringe of of like he's bald, but he didn't just shave his head. Yeah. Like he's got the 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 hair on the sides that he's let grow out, and it's a little curly, mm-hmm. so it looks kind of like clown hair. <laughs> and then he's got the porn stash. It's all, all he's just missing the whole is a Hawaiian ensemble. shirt. <laughs> yeah, to complete the ensemble. No. When, when when we were watching the episode, I was just, oh, and now Tilly's going to get in his windowless white van because oh. that's just what he looks like. And it's perfect. It's, and you know, joking aside, this guy's been there since the very beginning. Uh-huh. Corbin yeah. White Maneuver was like episode four or something. Mm-hmm. Like he's been there all along, and it's cool that they keep using him. Yeah. I like that. Like. He he fit the part he was supposed to fit. It wasn't just stunt casting, but also it's nice to see Star Trek bring in their old guys. Back, I also you know? I love uh, I love the conversation that he has with Tilly, if you can call it oh, a yeah. conversation, where she's but got the. Also, she's just being a weird creepo the entire time too. Yeah, well, he, yeah, but in in its in in the show's defense, and Star Trek always goes this way. He wasn't trying to rape her. No. Yeah. So that's no, he was good. Trying to Berman, steal her Berman would have pushed him that way. <laughs> and she wakes up and sees him and he's like, 
you fell asleep on Orion. What was I supposed to do? She grabs the back from him and is like, don't do that. And then's like, wait, I have questions I need you to ask and answer. And he's just like, all right, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> it's like, well, come on, it's Tilly. It's like, yeah, I tried to rob you, but that doesn't mean we can't be friends. Yeah. Well, who, who could say no to Tilly? I know. Come on. Come on. Uh, and uh, just with the uh, reusing dudes. Um, mm-hmm. Also, obviously, we know Freaks came back and directed. Um, sure. But the dude that uh, in the mirror universe, um, Michael kills him in the elevator and he gets blasted yeah. out of space in the real universe. Um, yeah, it's like Captain Chip or something. He also got blasted out into space in 2009 Star Trek. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. very cool. So he's dead in three universes. Oh, well, <laughs> Excellent. good for him. Yeah, I guess. That does uh, man, flush out my theory that to... this is set in the, in the Ot-9 universe, then. It's just not. It's just not. But it kind of is, though. It's no, not. It kind of is. Not. <laughs> Matt, your bad thing had to do with Kronos also. Let's just let's just kind of Oh, yeah. Up, the uh, discovering that Kronos is apparently just a giant system of caves that makes it basically hollow kind of makes me think that it wants to be dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We talked about this uh, last week where we think they probably overmined it mm-hmm. because there's, you know, it's established that these guys don't. <laughs> the Klingons don't observe safe mining practices. That's not. been established, you guys. That may be the nerdiest thing I've said on this show. But, like, going into this, my assumption was, oh, it's like a big honeycomb, basically. And then I'm just like, oh, so you could just smash it with a hammer. <laughs> Wait, it's not small. No, no, no. Okay. No, <laughs> Kronos big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, my bad thing. We talked about this a little bit. Flunk mentioned it in his summary a little bit. But every single part of this mission mm-hmm. is horribly ill-conceived. They put fucking yep. Emperor Giorgio in actual charge. Like, not the illusion of command with someone like Cornwell, like, hanging out in the ready room yep. and making sure she doesn't fuck up. No, she's completely in charge. They gave her what they have said repeatedly is the most valuable asset of the war. Mm-hmm. Just, here you go. And she gets to abuse the crew like Lorca did and torture a prisoner like Archer did. Then the brain trust of the big plan is her... The only convicted mutineer in Starfleet history and the Klingon double agent who murdered a Starfleet officer. Then the three of them go on an away mission to blend in in the seediest part of Kronos with Tilly. Who thought any of this was a good idea? It's kind of like they sent the A-team and a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) But if the mission is, all right, we need to look hardcore. She's a cadet. Mm -hmm. She's a kid. And she's, you know... Tilly. She's she's actually now that I'm thinking about it, she's kind of got the Harry Kim thing where she's a cadet, but she's super important. But also, I don't care because I love her. Yeah. Well, she's earned it too. Yeah, and she doesn't believe she's important. That's what made Harry insufferable. Mm-hmm. Is he kept talking about how great he was? She's got some humility. Yes, that helps a lot. Well, Harry Kim was sent from heaven to save us all, basically, and tell us which women are hot enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> and discuss so. whether or not he was currently wishing he was in his mother's womb. He was. Oh, God. Thanks for reminding me of that. And also dying 80 times. Yeah, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, But I really, there's so many things that are bad about this. Oh, yeah. And, and giving Giorgio the ship is number one. But actually, no, that's number two. Because number one is Admiral Cornwell and everyone else being completely okay with genociding the Klingon homeworld. Yeah. Yep. Not a fan of that. And I get that what this does dramatically is set up where Michael gets to be a mutineer again, only everyone's on her side this time. And Michael started the war with a horrible act, and she ended the war with a noble act. I get yeah. all that. That's good for her arc, but it's terrible for oh. 
Starfleet. Yeah. For for the history of Star Trek. For, you know, these guys that we're supposed to believe in and trust. Mm-hmm. Do not like it. All that being said, God, I love her speech. I just her whole like eh. like we're her whole I don't like, like we're the words of it. this. I love it. Yeah, it's it because it plays out through the episode as one of her cheesy voiceovers. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it, but I like the general sentiment yeah. and I like that scene. But I think the words could have been better. But yeah, not a fan of uh, Starfleet going for genocide again. We're we're the good guys. Yeah, our po- no, we, the point we, is that we don't even is that we try to be better than that. Yeah. No, the point of Michael doing that one horrible thing that started the war was this is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Why would you do such a thing? We're Starfleet. We're better than this. And now we're not yeah. because we're losing yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's making it. It was a lot of weird deal with good. with space Hitler was bad enough, and then on top yeah. of that, like uh, it's it's just bad, mm-hmm. real bad. Well, it's all it all ties together because their logic is, uh, well, doing like. Being good hasn't helped. Let's ask the evil person who actually killed Klingons. Maybe she can come up with an idea. Unfortunately, her plan has always been, well, just kill everybody until the problem sorts itself out. That's not really a plan. That's just sort of a direction, I guess. Yeah. No, it's it's not great. But I mean, I no one in the like, show I, has good plans, so. Yeah. The thing that Star Trek, the whole franchise has been doing this. For a long time, and I think it started with DS9 when they introduced Section 31, mm-hmm. which I thought was ill-conceived at the time, and they did a good job with yeah. it. They walked a very fine line, but anyone who's picked it up after that has not. Yeah. We had so much of that in Enterprise that we hated, and they seem to be doing it here as well, and I just, uh, the, I don't like it. The thing that bugs me with Section 31 is Section 31 works in Deep Space Nine because... If you think about it, the idea of Starfleet having a branch that's like the Tal Shiar or the Obsidian Order yeah. makes sense. The CIA. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. And the fact that it's Starfleet's dirty little secret like, is a cool concept. The problem is their whole deal is no one has heard about us since the foundation of the Federation. And if you keep... Yeah, when Bashir stumbles on it, it's like, what is it's this? It's supposed to be a huge deal. And one of the things that they were supposed to be trying to do in Deep Space Nine that they sort of forgot to get around to was they were going to try to shut down Section 31 because it's a bad thing. Yeah. But, like, bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back, first of all, overuses the concept, which is never good. And second no, of Star Trek has a real problem. Yeah, it really does. And yeah. secondly, like it makes Section Thirty One look incompetent because they just keep wandering out of the out of a seedy back alley wearing their fucking Batman dentist costume to make someone well, else yeah, goddamn yeah. another uh, offer. I was about to say wearing their to black very... Starfleet badges. Like, of course, yeah. no one's gonna. You're not secret. Yeah. Well, to be very clear, though, nothing in this episode pointed to Section 31 explicitly. Like, no. you're right, when we were doing the Black Alert, like, spore drive thing, there were shady guys that were probably Section 31. Mm. But this show hasn't really done no, anything. No, they, they, they were in a scene that was cut. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, there's the, been deleted the scenes that is that Mira Giorgio is going to go on. The actual canon. Yeah. Right. And hopefully that will remain, but we know that's mm. not true. Yeah. We know they want to bring Michelle Yeoh back, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it sucks. Uh, no, I'm fine with I her just, coming I, back, but I and we've gone on and on about how Gene's vision, blah blah blah, yeah. it's a little too Pollyanna and it's a little too like unrealistic, and you need conflict for drama. But I think I, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think we all kind of want Starfleet to be the good guys and the Federation to be like noble, yeah, I, not not to the point of smug future man, but just generally speaking. And 
humans are still flawed. They're still going to make mistakes. But generally speaking, we're good people who do the right thing. Yeah. And especially right now, we really want to know that humanity's future is going to be a little better than it is right now. And that's why it bothers me even more for Discovery, because you have a chance like, you know, this is this is when they were making the show 2017. We knew how things were already Mm -hmm. like. Can we make a hopeful show like Star Trek used to be? We might need a little of that. Yeah, right seriously, now. please. That's that's what I want. Uh-huh. I don't need Gene's particular take on that. Just broadly speaking, I want it to be positive. Just some optimism, you know? Yeah, yeah. Optimistic people going out into the universe and making it better. And there can still be Have conflict. A science and adventure. There can still be like, yeah. But Michael can still be a tortured mess. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Sure. It's just people in general should be better. No, the concept is overcoming our flaws to become better people, you know? Yeah. And I always point to DS9. Dark things were happening and good people were trying to stop them. Yeah. That's that's how how you do dark. No matter how bad it gets, you can still try and find a baseball to cheer your dad up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to have to trade a lot of self-stealing stem bolts and yamak sauce, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you'll get there. That's the finest thing that the uh, No-J Industries ever embarked upon. That's the only thing Noj Industries ever part. I just missed talking As about in Noj, Noj has Industries. Some coffee. <laughs> I'm just now. I'm. I don't. I'm sure we made this reference at the time, but I'm just like picturing George Costanza with his pants around his ankle, saying Noj Industries, Noj <laughs> Industries. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Well, um, the Enterprise shows up at the end. Sure oh, does. Yeah, there's that. That was pretty fucking great. Sure was. Is this uh, your good thing? Oh, yeah. And okay. first of all, I was shocked no one took it. Because um, I did my homework uh, on the bus this time. Because <laughs> I took it for my quote. So Yeah. And s- Actually, let's let's go ahead and hear yeah, that Yeah, roll now. that out. Incoming transmission. From who? I'm having trouble identifying it. But it's a priority one distress call. Identify the source, please. I'm getting a Federation ID code. It's choppy. I'm trying to clean it up, sir. Help. Slow us down. Dropping a set of warp now, sir. This is Captain Saru of the Federation Starship Discovery. Please identify yourselves. Hills from Captain Pike, sir. It's the USS Enterprise. Yeah. No, it's great, and they milk it for oh, they a moment. Play it not out. not too long. But, they're doing you know. a they're like they have like who's calling us? We're getting a we're getting a red al- or we're getting a distress call from a Starfleet vessel. Well, yeah, and the sensors aren't working, and the the we can't. See it that. says N C C. It it does. It literally spells it out one seven. Uh-huh. I'm sitting there clapping my hands. E, I know what this is. And they don't do it for too long. It's no. exactly the right amount to, yeah. to be good tension, but not enough that it overstays its welcome. But goddamn. And then it comes out and we get to see the shot of the Enterprise. And it's it's a real good Enterprise, guys. Yeah, it, yeah, nice. it is. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's, not know, the, um, it's not the movie Enterprise. No, um, it's got the the round nacelles with the with the red tips, yeah. which I actually like that but better s- than the, the still, movie ones. You know, still updated to work on on this show, and oh boy, yeah, yeah, no, and we've seen you know some uh, some uh, production stills from the new season, mm-hmm. and we know we're going to see Captain Pike. Yep. We've heard that we're going to see Number One. Yep. It's exciting, and then we roll, and then the episode ends with the fucking classic theme. It's the best. 
it is. And I've said this before. I, sh- you know, I should be above fan service. I really should, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Oh. That shit works on me. I, yeah, we're, we're we're easy sells for this crap, man. Yeah, I try to I try to be better than that, mm-hmm. but I can't help it. I mean, we there were a lot of little things in this. We saw like a trill. Yep. on on Kronos. Yeah, cool. yeah, that was but yeah. This this was a whole other level. So cool, awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited. Yeah, and you know. They still have fucking showrunner problems, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that'll get... We'll see. That'll be figured out again. Yeah. Put a lot of faith in season two. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I I was hoping for a more... Like, my main problem with this whole season is just they're trying t- to be too many things at once. Yeah. They need to... Well, yeah, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying before. They would, they would start down a road and then completely abandon it to go down a different direction. Yep. Yeah. Which makes sense when you know all the behind-the-scenes stuff, but, to, you know... Doesn't if make we're for doing a, great a modern, television. yeah, no. If we're doing a modern show, the way shows are written now, and it's, and it's serialized, you need a vision. You can't yeah. like back in the day when it was a you know alien of the week thing. Mm-hmm. You could do a whole different feel every week, but it needs to be consistent yeah. now. That's how TV works now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's what it'll be. But we've already had at least one change in season two, yeah. so we will see. I guess. Well, fingers crossed. That trailer looks good, except for the m- music choice, which was. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah what do they right. play? Fucking All Star or something? Yeah. I wish. Hey, now, <laughs> watch a Star Trek. Uh huh. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Check out the old notes. I like the tattoo parlor that they hang out in. There's some cool, uh, weird. Well, that's where we saw that trip. Yes, yeah, so there's some cool, weird holographic tattoos that you touch mm-hmm. and they do shit. I love that kind of crap. Yep. I assume they're like, uh, what do you call it, lenticular, like those uh, uh, things you get in a Cracker Jack where you move it back and forth mm-hmm. and the picture changes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like, like a, a ruler that has all the presidents yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I don't know that specific ruler, but yes. <laughs> you guys didn't have that ruler in the third grade? Yeah, what's wrong? Not I that, thought that was just Not that issue. ruler, no. Why would I have that ruler? I'm from another country. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. They give a fuck I assume they have yeah. the same thing, but with different prime ministers. No. It was just Louis Riel and, uh, I don't know, the other one. The first Trudeau? Yeah. Jim Canada? The founder of Canada? <laughs> no, it's Jim Cotta. Come on. Oh. Master of the, <laughs> of the gymnastic martial art? The thrill of gymnastics <laughs> and the kill of karate flunk. Come on. Wait, so every time I cross the border, should I be saying Canada? Yes, you should. <laughs> All right. I thoroughly recommend it. It'll end perfectly. Undoubtedly. Mm. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. All right. Um, nah, I'm good. Then let us do the bit that we're probably retiring after this <laughs> because it's very hard to come up with things. <laughs> uh, Flunk, you go first. In the past of the future, San Francisco may not be the only city in the world anymore, but they still haven't rebuilt Florida. Hey, take that. <laughs> was was there a lack of Florida? In yeah, the they did. Uh, they and the establishing that? shots of Earth, like you know, you see all the lights and stuff, but Florida is black. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, I didn't all see right. it. That's cool. That's nice. That's a that's a good detail. Yeah, that's I like that. I like when they pay attention to that. That's shit. interesting. Like when we I go did back not to Vulcan. That. They... That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Uh, yes, in the past of the future, Christopher Pike comes back in the last episode of all Star Trek we've done so far, and we come full circle. Symmetry. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah. Remember when we talked about not wanting to see the cage again? Mm-hmm. And now I <laughs> honestly wouldn't mind it so much. But uh, 
That's, that's a good point. On for me, in the past of the future, Starfleet is a murderous pack of genocidal maniacs, just like they were in Archer's time. So really nothing's changed in 100 years. Good to know. I guess. I mean, you know, except we've invented Magic Mushroom Drive. <laughs> well, it, now it's back in the in the warehouse with the Ark of the Covenant, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had to do that, mm-hmm. of course. All right. Well, uh, Matt and I now have, uh, we've been doing the second thoughts thing, yep. which probably another bit we're going to retire, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but we thought, um, well, you may not be aware of this, as it's only been part of the intro to our show for the past 15 weeks. But uh, as of this episode, will you take my hand? Matt, let go of my hand. Sorry. The Post-Atomic Horror is the only podcast to have watched and summarized the entirety of Star Trek to date, 100 Point zero percent. Yes, it took eight long years to recap 744 episodes, 22 animated episodes, and 13 movies, but I'm pretty sure we can do it much faster and much more furiously incoherent. As the only people qualified for this monumental task, we present to you all of Star Trek in roughly five minutes. Give or take. Space, the final frontier of the 1960s. Aboard this wagon train of the stars, we seek out new life, starting with some veiny, bulbous-headed jerks who get off on watching Captain Christopher Pike try not to have sex in a giant terrarium. Also, there is Spock, and if you don't know who that is, we have completely failed. Spock later meets up with his BFF, JTK, and together, along with noted grumblepuss Lenny McCoy, they encounter all manner of sexy 60s freakouts with groovy hang-ups. Grammatically challenged rock monsters who no want kill I, a fatigued megalomaniac, cardboard pig people, flying flying Vulcan soup, a terrifying aquamarine murder clown, all manner of screaming space children, interstellar space bums, actual gods like fucking Apollo shows up with his big green hand, Abraham Lincoln in his space chair, and of course, Mr. Yengis. Then things get colorful and the motion gets extremely limited. A cat lady and a multi-armed goat man who sounds like Scotty join the crew. Everyone else also sounds like Scotty. Chekhov is not invited. Now watch in amazement as the cast gets old, fat, and retires. Fast forward about 75 years and we neatly sidestep this problem by starting with an old man. The JLP show version 1.0 follows the no-conflict adventures of the USS Firetruck D for two seasons before realizing that not having conflict is stupid. Shut up, Gene. Oh, you're dead. Well, I didn't mean that. Any hoodle, the fire truckers, as we all know them, encounter Farpoint, bug people who forget to come back, robot people who never forget to come back, B4's brother Lore and his other brother... What's his name? And, uh, oh god, why did we write this? Flute Solo. Also Q, also Groppler Zorn. Then this crew gets old and fat, except, ironically, the old guy we started with. Over somewhere else in the galaxy, next to a big space hole, Starfleet steals a mall from some minor TNG villains and accidentally invents modern television. An angry, math-hating dad named Ben proclaims that he's bigger than Bajor and Jesus, starts a war, and pisses off Kai Wynn. Good. Also, Garrick blows up his shop once a year, Rom is cool for ten seconds, Odo takes a swim in his people, and Vic Fontaine ruins even my legendary love for 60s lounge crooners. Also, Worf comes for a four-year stay in his longest vacation to date. Next, a banjo man whisks our first female lead off to an unexplored quadrant filled with moonshiners from beyond the moon. Against her better judgment, and more importantly, ours, Kathy joins forces with a bunch of whiny criminals and also a smelly clown and his underage bride. Later, they pick up a sexy Borg whose best friend is a small child, and this is all a whole lot better than it sounds. Harry still sucks, though, and while it doesn't completely make up for how much he sucks, at least we got to watch him die about 8,000 times. 
Also, at one point, the holographic doctor, who is in regular contact with a hologram of a guy from a different show, visits a holographic Irish village and later sells a holographic adaptation of these adventures. None of that is an exaggeration. This is worse than it sounds. And speaking of worse than it sounds, let's go back in time for some reason as Jonathan Archer, original renegade and murderer, leads a team of nameless yahoos on a squinty adventure to every single place every man has ever gone before. Only first and better. Archer spent approximately 30% of this series in jail, which is not nearly enough for his numerous crimes against humanity and miscellaneous. Also, Trip was there, and his friend the Beagle. Which brings us to also the past. The USS Discovery, where everyone is probably secretly evil except Michael Burnham, who is mostly just a big mess. She might also be evil, but it's also possible she's managed to convince us otherwise because she's really good at that. Also Tilly. Saru stands in for the Beagle. And what new adventures await the crews, and yes, fans of Star Trek? From the sound of it, 15 shows spinning off characters you've heard of as they all get old, fat, and retire on an inaccessible garbage network. An inaccessible garbage streaming platform, Matt, which is only available in the U.S. and doesn't work very well. Here's to 51 more years of the post-atomic horror. So, so that's it? We're, we're done with all of Star Trek? Yeah. Uh, Next week we have a supplemental, then the plan is to redo a handful of old episodes, and then question marks? He said something else. Yeah. There will no, definitely, we, we have a lot of... There will definitely be something else. Yeah. No, we have we have a lot of ideas in, in the mix. We just need to figure out what makes the most sense. Mm. Um, until then, though, we do have a supplemental coming up, and we'd love to hear from yes. you guys. Post Atomic Horror at Gmail. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Discovery, and as long as your opinion is not, it is not real Star Trek and the Orville is, we'd love to hear from yes. you. <laughs> uh, website as ever, postatomichorror.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Uh, Flonk, you want to give your Twitter? Flonk2. Yes, for reasons that we don't that need to get we into. We will now, get but... into later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will get uh, into it at length, post... if you ask me. Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Then uh, we will be back next week yeah. with the supplemental. Yeah. See you, Star Trek. <laughs>